0: Welcome to the Riabu Podcast, coming to you at a time which really seems like, feels like, we're going back in time. It was at this time in 2020, around May or so, that many of the lockdowns started all around the world as governments are trying to grapple with COVID. Now we've seen several additional waves, and some countries, including for us in Singapore, it feels like we're just having to do it all over again to stave off a wave of community infections. The question, of course, for SMEs is how to pull through this round, this uh, you know, second time around of, uh, of any sort of uh, lockdown. Currently, we're not quite in lockdown, but certainly you know, streets are quieter as uh, people are urged to work from home. Um, and especially Simon Littlewood, in light of the fact that uh, much of the government uh, money has already been paid out, There is a tapered approach for various industries. Some will continue to get some support to pay wages until September. For others, that has already ended in March. So let's take the baton into our own hands. Let's pick up the cudgel. Gosh, I hope I'm not mixing my metaphors. Simon Littlewood is about to tell me uh, what should you do if you're the business owner?
1: Well, don't use a cudgel would be uh, would be my first advice. But look, whichever way you look at it, it is possible that having just announced a renewed lockdown here in Singapore anyway, and, and elsewhere around the region as well, the government might announce further subsidies. But that's assuming they don't, that they stick to their current published regime. This is going to cause liquidity problems for many, many companies. And as we know from previous discussions, it's SMEs that are disproportionately affected by liquidity issues. Why? Because very large companies tend to have richer balance sheets and greater resilience as well as access to more bank borrowing so if you're an SME and you're looking at cash flow issues a good area to focus is on customer payments receivables as they're commonly called and one of the things that we do at RIABO is we advise SMEs on what they can do to ensure that they're first in line to get paid Um, and it might be helpful perhaps Mark if we were to talk about two or three of the things that they could do straight away in order to affect that yep
0: Indeed, it might be very helpful. So (laughs) go right ahead. And by the way, if you want to read along, you can, of course, buy the book, Let the Cash Flow Available on Amazon. Anyway, so what are the steps they can take?
1: Well, uh, the the, the first thing is um, that sometimes when you've got a lot of customers and they're paying you late, the problem can seem intractable. And Uh, And I I was on a discussion yesterday with the team and and there was a lot of discussion going on about how many thousands of customers you're dealing with and how difficult that is. Well, okay, there are some very simple principles in business which are worth following and you can find a chapter on this in the book. One is the Pareto principle. Pareto was an Italian economist um, in the early part of last century and he was able to work out that something called the 10-50 rule and the 80-20 rule, which many of you may know. Basically, 10% of your customers will be responsible for 50% of your receivables. 20% of your customers will be responsible for 80% of your receivables. This is a hard and fast mathematical rule that applies to all business transactions. And therefore this tells you that if you can fix the 10% of customers, 10% of your biggest customers and get them to pay you on time, you've dealt with 50% of your cash flow issues. I only mention this because a lot of companies that are experiencing the trauma of constantly lateening payments and payments that are getting late, later and later as the pressure grows are really struggling to make sense of this. So first principle is pull out the ones that are big so that you can deal with the top 10%, the top 20% and that takes care of most of your issues. So that's that's the first point, okay? And it's relatively easy to do this and if you don't know how to do it there's a template um, in the book Let the Cash Flow um, which you can get from Amazon uh, or you can go to the RRB website and you'll find not only Excellent templates, but also some coaching and tuition uh, through pre recorded podcasts on how you can deal with this. Okay. The second thing, may I go on, Mark?
0: Well, so, so, yeah. So, in other words, pulling out the largest customers or the people owing you the largest sums of money or owing you the longest for, for that matter
1: yeah I mean when you're it depends how how urgent your receivable situation is but if cash is of the essence then it makes sense to look at the ones that owe you the most in a stable state situation where most customers are paying you according to terms the level of attention you give to customers should reflect their economic importance that is the size of their sales that turnover. In the short term, and I hope I'm making this clear, if cash, lack of cash is your burning issue, start with the ones that owe you, owe you most money. Yeah? So do your Pareto based on what you're owed. Yeah, right. Tidy them tidy them up based on the cash availability, because your, your objective is to tidy up those relationships and get cash in the bank. Yeah.
0: yeah. OK, so number one, get a grip on who your biggest customers and debtors and, are. And got. treat
1: them differently and treat them differently from the others. This is the important point, and it's a common mistake made in, in, in companies. I know who my big customers are, but in reality, when you look at how customers are treated from a billing and collections perspective, they're all treated in essence the same. You need to you need to pull them out and you need to give them more attention and more time. Um, and again, you need to follow a process which ensures that any obstacles to payment are dealt with. Yeah? Um, which brings me on to the second point, if I may, which is, what we call proactivity. Proactivity is if you have a big customer and they have a lot of money that they owe you and you depend on their cash to operate your business, engage with them early and often. Never wait for the money to become overdue before engaging with them. This is a fundamental principle. It's a tough change to make. That is talking to customers soon after you invoice them as opposed to soon after they are late with their payment. And in order to do it, you need to follow certain principles. Those principles, again, are laid out in the book. If you're contacting big customers early on after invoicing, you're making a service call. You're not making a collections call. And the wording of the call needs to reflect the fact that it is your desire, are of service. Everything that you've delivered has met expectations. And the paperwork that you've submitted, specifically the invoice and any other paperwork, is accurate based on their requirements so as to smooth the way to timely payment. Um, this is a crucial thing. And to be honest, most companies don't do it. Most companies overwhelmingly wait until there is an issue and the invoice is late and then they pile in there with Dunning letters and reminders and so on and so forth. Yeah.
0: Yes. In fact, I have a little story to tell you about that, Simon. Can I just interrupt your uh, analysis just for a second? Because, um, just in the last couple of days, I came across just such an invoice, which left a lot to be, um, a lot to, a lot for interpretation and therefore a lot uh, of room for non-payment. What happened was that this invoice was priced in dollars, right? So it had the, the S with the line through it. The problem is that it didn't specify which dollars and yeah you might say well that that's a a, you know going into a bit too much detail obviously it's the dollars in the current in the country where you are right if you're in Australia it would be Australian dollars if you're in New Zealand it would be in New Zealand dollars but unfortunately it wasn't that simple because at the bottom of this invoice it says for payments in pounds sterling please use this account okay well that obviously didn't apply and for payment in US dollars it's this other account So therefore, the assumption is that the pricing on the invoice is in US dollars, because after all, it provides a US dollar account to deposit to. In actual fact, the contract is in Singapore dollars. And so very naturally, you then start to say, well, hang on a minute, if this is priced in US dollars, but my contract is in Singapore dollars, then the invoice is wrong. And what happens if you price in Singapore dollars, but they only give a pound sterling or US dollar account, right? So so in there's an example of where a well-meant invoice, it made perfect sense, obviously, to the person who wrote it, but for the recipient, there is so much ambiguity that you then feel quite entitled to say, well, this is a bit ambiguous. I'm not entirely sure I should pay this right now. Besides, I've got a million other things to do. Bottom of the pile. When so. things
1: like this happen, Those of us who run SMEs, and like you, Mark, I've I've launched and run several SMEs over over my decades in Asia, uh, scratch our heads and say, is this sudden complexity later in the day uh, after we've delivered our goods and service, is it accidental? Is it something that was just overlooked or is it something that's been kind of cooked up in a gentle, loving kind of a way to create a bit of a pothole in the way of us getting paid. and the conclusion is, to me, it doesn't matter whether it's deliberate or accidental or indeed somewhere in the middle that is sort of accidental on purpose because, because we know companies that are doing lots of things accidentally on purpose in order to hang on to their money. The key is, whichever of those epithets best applies to an issue like that, Mark, if you engage early with your customer Soon after you've sent them the invoice, in this case, an invoice that they can't pay, apparently, um, but certainly not wait until the invoice is overdue. Get them into a binary discussion on have you got the invoice? How, does it say what you need it to say? Can you accept it? Is it going to go into your payment system? Put them in a gentle, loving way into a situation where they have to sort of come clean and say, well, actually, no, this is in the wrong currency. It doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. The idea is to use increased intimacy earlier in the process to drive out any issues that potentially allow the customer to feel good about themselves and yet pay you late because that's what we're dealing with here we're not dealing with recalcitrant insolvent malevolent customers we're dealing with people who want to hang on to their money and are going to use excuses to do it if you let them
0: well here's the thing simon i was actually the recipient of this invoice and so and here's the thing you know here we are we've written a book let the cash flow we we run smes we are ourselves engaged in this uh, payment uh, these payment issues every day and yet and here's the thing for you listening to us if you're a business uh, owner business manager you're perhaps in the finance department you feel indignant at the fact that your customers aren't paying on time The fact is that when the shoe is on the other foot, in other words, when you're the recipient of an invoice, you're actually, as I said, you know, you feel quite entitled to delay payment because after all, this invoice just isn't what I need. And We we can all relate to the, you know, both sides of this equation, Uh, not just the indignance at being paid late, but also the insistence on paying late if there's something wrong with the invoice.
1: Yeah, and um, whether or not you do pay late, it might be a function also of how how important it is for you to keep the spigot open. In other words, are they selling you goods or a service that is esse- that are essential for the continuation of your business? For example, in a B2B environment, if I'm buying, uh, let's say, um, components of a product uh, or um, other things that I need to maintain my manufacturing or sales operations, I'm going to want to keep a good relationship with the supplier, and that might increase the ability of the supplier to demand payment even if there are issues with the invoice but the reality is we need to identify what those issues are your supplier needs to sort out his invoicing if he wants to get paid um and to the requires that you jump up and down and and, and jump through hoops in order to pay him because he's made it overly complex it's not good for him you know Um, I I mean I'll explain to you what I mean savvy companies when they evaluate their suppliers if you've got multiple suppliers that can supply the same thing companies often look at total cost of supply and total cost of supply and again you can find this in the book a total cost of supply is not just the product that I'm buying and the list price it's all the other aspects of dealing with this supplier how easy is it to get a contract with them how how accurate are their deliveries how often are their invoices wrong and how much additional time do I spend do I invest in doing business with them in order to have a, a tra- complete transaction and the answer is you'll find many companies are quite expensive the product might be cheap might be competitively priced but the reality is that there are issues that have to be dealt with with the order with the invoice with getting paid and that kind of thing can really add to costs and complexity so as a supplier flipping this around again Mark You need to make sure you're not one of those suppliers that cuts invoices which result in constant iteration around whether or not they're accurate. I mean, one, you won't get paid on time, and two, in the medium term, your customer might figure that, well, you know what, it's really hard work dealing with this supplier. They never seem to get anything right. And I've come across this again and again and again, and they'll go to a competitor. So there are two overwhelming benefits with fixing your order to cash process. One is. That you get paid on time. And the second is that you reduce the level of attrition that customers go through to deal with you, and that makes you a more attractive supplier. Yeah? Yes.
0: All right. End of detour. <laughs> Back to the main. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's again fascinating uh, the, the insights and the psychology behind it, which is, of course, the subject of another podcast, uh, the, the fact that it is about people and not about software. But I do want to come back to what you started out with in this podcast, which is the discussion around having uh, the, you know, being able to sort your customers into the ones that you ought to be chasing right now using the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. You've also then talked about proactive service calls. What are the other final steps that you need to take, that you must take as a business owner today in order to survive yet another pairing back of open public life?
1: yeah well uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the practical challenges of getting paid on time be clear about the size of customer and their importance to your overall cash flow try and introduce some kind of early level contact to ensure that you iron out any potential issues and, and by the way when you're ironing out those issues you might find that there are fundamental issues with the deal that you have with them otherwise there might be a lack of clarity around basic things like when are they supposed to pay you or what's the invoice supposed to be? So, so iron out all those things Um, I think there's a third thing, which is not strictly related to collections, and it's this. If you are anticipating cash flow difficulty, the time to organize finance is when things are relatively okay, not when you're in a hole because you won't be able to borrow money from anyone. There's never been more money available to companies in Singapore and elsewhere than at this point in history, and at relatively low interest rates. But in order to borrow it, you have to have a going concern. So you might want to make preparations to have some kind of cash reserve if you anticipate a dip in your cash availability. I think you know those three things are with, and they'll help you quickly get to grips with where the majority of your unearned cash sits and hopefully give you a solution to actually pining out the issues that stop that money being paid on time. And also in the third case give you the option of potentially borrowing more money externally at the competitive rate while you're still in operation, should you need it. Yep.
0: All right, Simon, three things that you can do straight away. Thanks, everybody for listening. Drop us a note, service at riabu.com if you'd like to take part in this conversation, or you have additional contributions to make. We'd always love to hear from you.